this is kind of a, a different um, kind of interview than we usually do. Usually we only talk to one person at a time. Today we have okay. both Rob Braddock and Connor Lynch and uh, as our guests today uh, for a couple different reasons. We're doing this a little bit differently. One, uh, because we've got a contest that we're going to talk about here in just a minute. But two, you guys work together to create some pretty interesting financial promotions, and you do it in a different way. But before we get into all of that, uh, maybe uh, Rob Raddick, we can start with your story, and then maybe we can hear a little bit from Connor about his story and how he got into this business. Right. Well, yeah, I guess it is a pretty crazy thing to think. You you could probably go back not too far, just uh, two years or so ago, and find like the first post I made in uh, in the copywriter club. Um, I didn't know anything about copywriting two years ago, really, or I, or I had just discovered it. Um, so before I got into copywriting, I was in um, uh, political fundraising. Got in a little bit of trouble. Bribery this, bribery that, yada, 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 blah, blah, blah. Three years in federal prison. And, uh, you know, that essentially ended that career and um, all of the contacts I had built up over time. You know, it's not something I could get back into. So I had to start over again. And after I stumbled around and bubbled around trying to figure out what I was going to do, you know, I knew it was going to be something in the internet space or, you know, maybe I would do SEO sales or something. I, I wasn't really sure, but you know, I stumbled across um, copywriting, direct response copywriting, and then financial direct response copywriting. And once I saw what it was, what it is, and how much money can be made with it, I was like, all right, I'm doing this, man. I'm going... I'm going all in. So I started studying and studying and studying relentlessly. And it was essentially like my primary focus of my life for six months at least. And then, um, you know, one thing led to another and I was lucky enough to get a shot to work for Agora and I went to Agora. I had a couple hits at Agora uh, and then decided to leave to uh, join up with Wealth Press and see if we could uh, if we could make some big moves. So that's that's where I am. That's the quick story. That is that's the quick story. But we want to dig into that a little bit more. So um, from your time in prison, is there a question that people ask you repeatedly about that time in your life that just you're tired of it because? everyone asks you the same question? <laughs> no, no. Everyone just says, you know, what was it like? You know, there's not really a lot of, a lot of specifics. The hardest part of, of prison was, is, is the separation, right? And being just totally disconnected from the rest of the world and the world's moving by and you don't know what's happening and you're sort of stuck in this one place. So like it's, it's literal and, um, metaphorical at the same time like you're stuck in this in one spot while everything else is moving by and you know it can lead you know a lot of guys um you know decide to stay stuck in that place you know 
again, you know, physically or metaphorically, even when they get out. Um, the hardest part for me was when, you know, I had to do some time in the, uh, in the shoe, the special housing unit, commonly referred to as the hole or whatever. I was in there for four months one time. Oh, wow. I did three weeks in the hole once and then four months in the hole another time. And it was it's very mentally difficult. And it was like, it was in that time that I, um, I mean, you're, you're on lockdown for 23 hours a day, like in the room or, and 24 hours on the weekends. And when you're let out for like an hour, it's at like six o'clock in the morning in February when it's freezing cold and you're in a dog cage, essentially, it's not like you're actually going outside. So you're essentially completely locked down for 24 hours a day for four months. And it's very, um, mentally taxing. So, you know, was in that, um, in that space, I sort of, uh, I, I started meditating a lot and, repeating um, positive mantras to myself in my head for like hours at a time. So I, you know, trying to prevent myself from going crazy, I guess. And um, that's the same thing I used when I got out of prison. I, I kept doing that like a, um, a ritual of like meditation and positive thought reinforcement so that um, like I'd be able to achieve what I wanted to achieve. Like, you have to think like I, like I set a goal of like working at Agora and that's like considered like the holy shit. If you can get a job as a copywriter working at Agora, like, Oh my God. And I'd never, I didn't even know what it was. Right. I didn't even know what copywriting was. So I decided I'm going to go from like not knowing what copywriting is to having Agora make me an offer. And, you know, so I went, super hardcore with studying and meditating and positive, like mental affirmations. And it happened within six months In six months, I went from literally not have ever even seen a long form financial copy to <clears throat> working at Agora. And two months after that, I had my first hit with Agora. And uh, so as terrible as prison was, um, being in that situation, uh, forced me to develop the things that I used to like better my life once I got out, if that makes any sense. Yeah, it makes total sense. Uh, and it's an amazing transformation. I'm guessing that a lot of people who are listening are probably going to be thinking to themselves, okay, in order to make a jump from zero to, you know, one of the best being among the best uh, writing at financial promos. You talked about how you were relentless in your study. What were you studying? What were you doing through those six months that helped you make that kind of a leap? Hey, all this stuff is out there. Like everything is out there. Like you don't have to, you don't have to invent some new copy thing or, or you know, some, some new sales tactic that's never been thought of before. Like people have been doing it for a couple hundred years now. Um, and what I say is like the first guy, the first guy ever to think, Hey, I'm going to put an ad in the newspaper with a call to action and try to sell this thing that I'm selling. You know, he put it in a newspaper 200 years ago. Like that guy was a genius, right? He had to like think to do that. And like fast forward 200 years, like what did I do? I went, I read 
the Gary Halbert letters online for free, which you can do. Bond Halbert um, and his brother, like they have it up there for free. It's like I, they could be selling that thing for thousands of dollars. But it's an amazing so, resource. Right. I think I read every letter that's on the um, Gary Halbert letters uh, website. Um, and I did that. I signed up for every uh, financial newsletter. I would, you know, to read every promotion and I would read every ad. And I would think to myself, like, oh, you know, I, you know, oh, wow, that's really interesting. Like, what are they doing here? And then I think, oh, you know what? I could do that better. Oh, that ad kind of sucks. I would do it like this. And I did that for, um, I mean, at like hours, literal hours every day. There was, and then at one point I took a, uh, a class, Jake Hoffberg was offering a class on how to write short form financial copy, which is, you know, like emails <clears throat> and we call them lift letters, which are, which aren't editorial emails. They're like the salesy emails. So those emails and like the little short ads you might see. I, I took a, that course on how to do that. And, and then, and that was essentially it. So just several hours a day of reading either general direct response um, information, and then specifically to my niche, you know, just sort of consuming every bit of content I could. So this is getting into the weeds a little bit, but you mentioned meditation and affirmations. Can you just share, like, what did that actually look like at the time when you were building that into your practice, when you were in prison? I mean, beyond when you left, maybe you're still doing it today. Is that something that you do in the morning? Could you give an example of what that looks like? Yeah, I do it for 20 minutes each morning. It's like the first thing I do. So, um, I wake up, I have um, positive affirmations that I have actually, I've had recorded. Um, So I put on my headphones and uh, usually I just lay there in bed for 20 minutes and um, press play and just listen to it. You know, I have some like cool music in the background and it, um, yeah, I don't know. That that's it. It's twenty minutes a day. It's like forward looking goal setting um statements, but also like some things that wouldn't some statements that would never change, you know, things like um just uh being one of them is like I am calm and in control of my emotions, right? So I don't ever want to be the person that loses their temper. So I that's one of the things that I repeat to myself, you know, for 20 minutes every day. And, um, and there's, there's a lot of things in there, but that's an example. And I, I don't know. I like, I don't know if there's any scientific data to back up that the stuff works. Right. I like, um, so all I really have is my personal experience and I am absolutely positive in my mind that I I wouldn't have done a fraction of what I've done since I got out of prison if I didn't keep doing, 
you know, like a meditation and positive mantra type of thing every day. Like it's absolutely crucial. And so I, like I said, I, I don't know if it's something that's provable. <clears throat> it's just my, my own experience, but there's a lot of things like that in life that might not be scientifically provable, but you know, people have personal experiences that, you know, say so. So beyond um, like doing the, the mindset work and bringing in this meditation, studying, um, you know, for 12 hours a day, however long you were studying per, each day, how did you get your in and break into Agora and break into the industry beyond kind of like doing all the right things and laying the foundation? Um, when did you get that break? Yeah. <clears throat> so this is the, this is one of those those things that like seems contradictory, but you, you, like, you'd be shocked at how easy it is to like get a toe in the door, right? So uh, I've had experience with this in two different things. Like so, <clears throat> before Agora, right? But you know, before prison, I was working on U.S. congressional races, right? Raising money for congressmen and. Like my family, you know, I didn't grow up with any connections or anything like that. And my family would like could not conceive of the fact that I was like working with congressmen. For them, that was like some, you know, impossible level to achieve. Like, what do you mean you're working with congressmen or like this big city mayor and whatever? And I would tell people all the time, like, dude, it is the easiest thing in the world to get onto a congressional campaign if you want. But people just really don't realize it. But if anyone's listening to this, I promise you, if you go down to your local congressman or whoever's running for Congress in your area and volunteer and show up for two or three weeks in a row consistently, you're going to meet your congressman um, and hang out with them. And if you're not like a total mess of a person. <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised if you get offered a job. Like I've seen people come in and like be volunteers or volunteer for a few weeks. And then the next thing you know, they're like offered a job doing something on a campaign and working with a congressman. Like no one does it. And most people can't even name their congressman. So they, it's like they have, a, there's this idea that it's like some like, you know, unachievable, level of success it's like no you could walk into there right no one even knows the guy or girl's name you could walk in right now and maybe meet them that so it's almost like the same thing with agora it's very difficult to actually get hired there but if you were to um like to get your foot in the door or to get noticed you guys have had joe schrafer on the on the show if you if you mail he's gonna hate me if you mail joe schrafer something interesting um, in the mail, like the actual mail, he's going to open it and he's probably going to email you back. Um, so I got in, I got into Agora cause he had an open house. Agora had an open house and invited a bunch of copywriters. And we like went through the whole process of like, like it was like a six person interview. We had to like go through the rounds and like meet with six different people and they, grilled us on direct response and any big ideas we had and stuff like that. Um, but there was no um, like pretense associated with it. You know, I just got my name on the list and, 
anyone can anyone can do the same thing. It's like uh, people disqualify themselves uh, too quickly, right? That 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 like the great vetting occurs in the person's mind first. Like the company doesn't even have to vet people because so many people don't even have the guts or, or don't believe that it's possible and they screen themselves out by not even trying. So, uh, I tried, <laughs> you know, and I got in, I wasn't like good then. Like I wasn't good. The stuff I wrote back then was total garbage, but, uh, you know, I tried and sometimes like trying is, is good enough to just get your foot in the door. So, and then once you get your foot in the door, you have to, you know, you have to perform, but that's what I did. Yeah. I, I think there's something to the idea that, um, outlasting everybody else just simply by working harder and, and trying that one more thing, uh, is a, is a good way to, um, you know, make your name in the world. So I, I want to talk about, you know, what you're doing in, in at wealth press and, you know, your, what you're doing with Connor, um, but before we do that, are there just one or two takeaways from your time, you know, from uh, learning about copywriting, working through Agora, you know, just one, two ideas that maybe uh, are worth sharing with everybody who maybe wants to do something similar? Yeah, a couple things from working at Agora. Agora does a really good job of drilling into people's head to um, expect and embrace failure. So, um like the greatest financial copywriters on earth right now um, fail more than they succeed. Like statistically, they genuinely write more failing promos than they do successful promos. Evaldo Albuquerque is considered um, the current like best financial copywriter. He far and away by orders of magnitude out outperforms everyone and has for the past couple of years. And he will tell you that he's written more failures than anyone um, in the industry ever. So you really have to really understand that writing total failures of promos is genuinely part of the process. At Agora, you have to write if you're a full-time copywriter, you have to write six um, full promos a year. And they fully expect that four of them will be complete bombs that they essentially lose money on. So out of the six that you write, only two of them are expected to be hits. And I mean, so you're, you're failing twice as much as you, as you don't. So you really have to embrace it and not let it affect you and just realize that it's part of the process. That's the, that's the probably the biggest takeaway. Okay, cool. So let's, uh, let's bring in Connor uh, because you guys work together at wealth press. Connor, tell us a little bit about your story and how you uh, got into financial publishing. Absolutely. Uh, I'm, I'm actually a copywriter as well. I, uh, you know, it's, it's funny when you meet people who are, who are, who are professional direct response copywriters usually ask them, you know, how do you get into this? And it's, it's usually some random story. You know, they fell into it some way with me. It was a little bit different. I actually grew up with my dad getting 
Dan Kennedy newsletters in the house, like the physical newsletters. So at, at 13, I did like the AWAI course. I was, you know, reading Dan Kennedy stuff, Yannick wow. Silver, some of the, some of the old, old greats. And, uh, <laughs> and then, and then, you know, I went off to university thinking like, yeah, that stuff was all interesting, but I probably won't actually do anything with it. I'll, I'll go get a real job or whatever. So graduated from university. Uh, afterwards I did a, uh, I did a, a tech startup and I raised about a million dollars successfully from investors and then subsequently like blew the entire company up because <laughs> the technology worked, but no one actually liked it. And so that startup completely failed. But what I realized was I was actually good at the selling aspect. Like I could sell the idea. I was able to actually raise the money. I convinced people to, to give me, you know, I guess vast sums of money to like a, an early twenties kid, which uh, I mean, Seems pretty irrational in retrospect that they would do that, but but hey, I guess I, I was able to close them. So I I decided I would I would go back and try to get into copywriting again. And I on some Facebook group I saw that Russell Brunson was posting asking for someone to write as many emails as they could in two weeks for a thousand dollars a week. So I jumped on it and I said I, I will absolutely do that. I will work day and night from the time I rise to the time that my fingers give out to, uh, to, to do that. And I wrote, I think it was like 92 or 97 emails in that first week. And Russell was like, these are great, but that's actually all the emails I need. So I'm not going to pay you for the second week, but I will give you a testimony. Oh, <laughs> wow. <laughs> uh, so, so that happened. And uh, I got the testimonial from Russell and I, I used that to sort of parlay my way into writing for a lot of um, internet marketing uh, gurus, make money online, biz op type type stuff. And from there, broadened out to writing a little bit for health, but then also for financial copy. And I found that I, I just really enjoyed the number of narratives that you can, you can tell in the financial space. I mean, if you look at the IM or biz op world, when you're writing a piece, it's mostly hero's journey type of, type of stuff and fairly generic hero's journey talking like I was broke and then I discovered one weird trick and now I'm rich. And, and that's the narrative arc of almost every promo in that space. So I find it boring. Uh, whereas in financial, you're writing about all kinds of stuff. Like look at what's going on in the news right now. Down 900 points because of coronavirus. Is there a promo in there? Probably. That's a story that's interesting and completely new. And so I really love that aspect of financial and eventually was solely a financial copywriter. Um, freelance for a number of years, wrote for, um, never wrote for an Agora division, but wrote for some large non-Agora divisions like Raging Bull, Angel Publishing, uh, Tradewinds, those guys. And uh, eventually met up with my current partners. We formed Wealth Press, and that was a little over two years ago. We, we mailed our first, uh, our first promo in in February of 2018, I think we did like $18,000 in total sales then. Um, now we're arguably the fastest growing financial pub publishing outfit on earth and probably in, in the top 10 in size. Um, if, I mean, certainly within the top 15, but I would think there's a good chance we're in the, actually in the top 10. Uh, so yeah, it's been a bit of a ride. Yeah, wow. What a crazy yeah. story. <laughs> yeah, so let's talk about the fastest. Did you say the fastest growing, one of the fastest growing publishers in the financial space? Uh, from what I understand, from yeah. talking to some 
people who've been around the space for a long time, we are the fastest to go from zero to eight figures. Okay. All right. In so I, I would love to hear about from you know both of your perspectives on why, what is it about WealthPress? What are you doing that has you know, helped you move to top 10 and become one of the sure. fastest growing? What are you doing differently? I think, I think there's a few things. I mean, one thing that we've done a little bit differently versus uh, Agora Publishers is that we we didn't have a we didn't have a full copywriting staff when the company started. There was me, and I was also wearing a lot of other hats. I was sending, I was queuing up marketing emails, doing a lot of other things. And so to get to get uh, promotions turned around quicker, I would I would I would put together a webinar deck, but I wouldn't necessarily script the thing completely like word for word. And our our editor, our guru, who's the face of the products, he would he would go through and riff on on the content in the deck, and re- we'd record stuff that way. So it allowed us to turn around promotions much quicker. So instead of instead of taking you know two months to do something, we could do it in, in two weeks and get something turned around, turned out, launched. So our our production tempo in that sense was much quicker. We um, I think that was probably one of the bigger things. The um, the growth that's happened in the last little while, and Brad, I can talk about this as well. I think one of the big things we've been doing differently is how we approach uh, the hot list build for for our offers. Uh, I think most people are at least somewhat familiar with the Jeff Walker product launch formula. And I, the way that I see that put together, a lot of the time, the pre-sale videos, they're very, they're very sort of, pre-sale and benefits heavy, but they're, they're not that great on narrative and they're not that great at spectacle. And if you've ever read Gary Benzavanga's marketing bullets, he has one on headlines and it was, uh, I think it was titled the secret of the monkey's fist. And basically he's going over the idea that headline is not actually meant to sell the offer in any way. It's meant to sell the person on reading the first line of the actual promotion. So for us, I think part of how we look at building a hot list a little bit differently is kind of it's kind of looked at in the same way as a headline it's it's the spectacle it's it's the excitement it's the hype that gets people to watch the promotion itself and so the promotion needs to have its own hook and needs to have its own compelling sales structure and compelling offer and compelling close but with hotless we're able to do stuff like get more cinematic um you know in one piece that we that that's coming out next month uh we've got you know uh, briefcases handcuffed to uh, to people's wrists, and we've got car chase scenes, and we've got like stuff that normally wouldn't appear in a hot list. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> so, those I think those are the things that we do differently. We're, we're we're just we're breaking some of the rules in terms of how you can put promotions together. Um, we're breaking some of the rules in terms of what a hot list can be, how cinematic you can get, and how how much you can embrace entertainment. Um, yeah, I mean, I think those sorts of things. <laughs> so, so let's take a step back for anybody who doesn't understand uh, the terminology that we're using. Hot list, uh, Rob, walk us through that. Like, what is the hot list? And and then you're using that. I guess you're adding spectacle to that uh, in order to you know sell the big idea. Right. So, you know, typically you would for a hot list build, what you would do is drive traffic to a registration page, right? Where you're getting the person's email so that they're opting in to the hot list. Once they're opt in or opted in, 
then um, the hot list begins. And what I have found typically that works with us is a, uh, you know, four day hot list build. So the goal is to have people be engaged um, and get excited for the upcoming launch, essentially what you teased on the registration page. So in that you're doing things like letting them know, you know, you know, how this is new and never been seen before. You're letting them know um, how potentially big um, the returns are. Uh, you're letting them know um, you're answering any objections that they might sort of uh, subconsciously have. And as Connor was saying, instead of doing that in, you know, a more matter of fact way, uh, what we've been trying to do is do it in a more um, spectacleized narrative form. So we have like a four day story arc. Like it's an, it's almost like it's almost a promo within a promo and the, the four day story arc, you know, culminates on the fifth day with the launch of, of, the product but so the entire time you're doing the hot list you you're just keeping the the viewer engaged um answering any objections that they have subconsciously and teasing <clears throat> any of the things like fear of missing out and you know typical stuff okay. yeah you're you're still doing all the stuff that you that Jeff Walker would probably tell you, you must do this in in the pre-sale series that, that that leads up to the drop of the main promotion and the launch, but you're wrapping it around a more, um, I would say cinematic narrative, like more, more story-driven narrative. Like for example, one of the ones we did, we had an armored car that we rented parked outside outside of one of our, our guru's houses. And, uh, you know, we've had someone go up and ask us, hey, like, what's going on with the armored car? And said, well, there's a secret inside for anyone who, who, uh, who wants to make $25,000. And so that whole, that whole hot list had the narrative thread of what's in the armored car, like what's the secret? And the excitement levels and engagement going into when the main pro promotion itself dropped was off the charts and had people thinking from an emotional perspective which is where you want people to, to live when they watch your promotions anyway. So that's, that's kind of how it works. Yeah. And can yeah. we speak to the why behind it? Because I'm, you know, you've sold me. I love movies. So you had me as soon as you said spectacle. Um, but what, how do you know it's working? Can you share any results you've experienced? I know you're working on one right now. Um, to just prove to copywriters who are thinking, well, I don't know if that will work or if I can pitch that to my clients, like why is it working? And sure. what I've got a perfect example, actually. I've got a perfect example for that. We have one of our marketers who decided, hey, I want to I wanna put together one of these launches. I'll, I'll put together the deck and I'll write a hot list series. We'll, we'll, we'll professionally shoot the hot list series, but the, the launch itself will just be this webinar deck that he put together in probably about a week. He's never written a full promotion before. Uh, but the hot list, you know, I worked with him on it and, and we came up with this, this very narrative driven sequence that played out over two days. We pushed the thing for two days. 
the card opened on the third day and this guy who's never written a promotion before had our second largest card open day ever in the history of the company um and again like the, the hotless videos would be considered very non-traditional if if you go by what people normally think of when they think launch pre-sale videos but it was there was a narrative to it i was in one of the videos as the publisher talking about how i'd uncovered uh these secret pre-market trades that uh, that uh, one of my gurus was, was keeping hidden from me. And there was like hidden camera footage as part of it. Like all, like all kinds of stuff that we did that that was, I mean, again, it felt like you were part of a, a story that was playing out rather than a sales presentation of, hey, these are the benefits. This is, if you're worried about this, this is the, how to diffuse that objection. We do those things, but it was, it was very narrative driven and resulted in, a pretty massive single sales day um, for a guy who had never produced a promotion before. Like not not just a promotion in financial copy, but had literally never written a full promotion before. Wow. So this sounds pretty amazing, but I'm curious, do you guys think that this the success of this kind of thing is limited to the financial space or could anybody do it? And maybe a follow-up question to that is, um, is it possible to do this without you know, a pretty big budget? Because what you're producing almost sounds like video or television production. Yeah, I think it's totally applicable. I, 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 and one thing, like, Connor can speak more to this, but I feel like the actual VSL promotion, the actual, uh, the actual production of the uh, main product uh, is probably more expensive than the hot list build. We've done <clears throat> almost entire hot list builds just with, you know, a guy with kind of like a decent camera walking around. Cause you know, we embrace like the, the gorilla, you know, style aspect of it, you know? So it wasn't like you didn't have to spend a ton of money on some super squickly produced stuff. Um, you know, one of them was one of the hot lists that we did with Rob Booker is, um, we're following him in the parking lot as he walks into bank of America. And then he walks out of bank of America with a, um, with a cashier's check to like, to pay off his mortgage. And that's something he genuinely did. And he, and then we drove in his car and filmed in his car him driving to his house to, and then he called his wife and said, Hey, come outside. And she came outside and he was like, here's the check. I just paid off the house. And it, she genuinely didn't know he was going to do it. And it was a shock. And, and so, and that ended up being um, one of the hot list videos for, for that product, for a different product, and this this will speak to like the applicability to to other things to other industries um one of them we did which was the the man on the street style promo where rob booker showing people how to make money you know they have no experience they can make money in the stock market on the, in their phone on their phone in you know 60 seconds or something so that's been done before but what we did is you know we did the um, cinema, uh, cinematic spectacleization of it. And we decided that the narrative would be in the hot list would be the idea that, you know, Rob's great grandparents were immigrants and his, uh, family grew up essentially poor 
And we traveled to Gadsden, Alabama, where, you know, and stood out front of the house where his father was raised, you know, this little tiny shack in the middle of nowhere, Alabama. And so like the, the, the subtext to everything was that, you know, in one generation in America, you know, you can go from this house to now, you know, a guy who's a very successful guy who works way harder than, or way, who doesn't work anywhere near as hard as his dad worked, but his dad, you know, never really had any money to speak of. And it was sort of like an idea of, you know, this is the real America and patriotism and things like that. And I don't, and that was a very successful hot list built that we had. And so although we're doing all, all the same things like, you know, the Jeff Walker stuff and answering objections and everything like that, there's still like sort of that, that underlying um, story narrative that, um, and I think that is <clears throat> applicable to other um, industries. You could certainly use it in the health space. You could certainly use it if you wanted to niche down into other things like, um, hell, I don't know. If you were trying to do something in the marijuana space or something in the legalization of marijuana, it, something like that could work. Um, I don't even know what other industries are there. In the, if, you're not, <laughs> if you're not doing financial or health, direct response, like what, what other stuff are people doing direct response wise? I've seen some pretty interesting things, you know, in the, in the coaching space or in the um, internet business space. I know James Wedmore has done some pretty interesting things video and it feels like he creates a bit of a spectacle. Uh, Stu McLaren does something similar, you know, with uh, software products and uh, communities that he does. So that I, there's definitely applicability um, I mean, people want to watch interesting things, right? So my guess is that you could, you could go almost into almost any. Yes. Yes. Rob, I get, can I interrupt you there? Like what you, you just you sort of, uh, jogged my memory here a little bit. People want to watch interesting things, right? What have we heard for the past? I don't know, forever about people's attention spans, yeah, short. Right. Uh, you know, the yeah. span is short. Six Two seconds. seconds. Goldfish. Yeah. Four seconds. Yeah. Not okay. But then they watch five hours of Netflix every day. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. That's kind of it's kind of true, but it's exactly people binge watch like crazy. Excuse my language. So it's the same thing. Like we're just we're just making things that people would want to binge watch. So as long as you can, as long as you can do that, you're good. We've certainly done uh, promotions that were very expensive to produce. But, for example, uh, going back to the one that we just did uh, with, with, the, with the new copywriter who had never done anything before, on that one, it was, it was pretty cheap. We, uh, for the main promotion itself, it was a webinar deck, and we just broadcasted it, I think, via, via Zoom. And so if you've got a Zoom account and a webinar deck, uh, and, and a decent, uh, and a decent, you know, you know, webcam, you can do that and it costs effectively nothing. The hot list videos for those, if you've, if you've got someone with basic video editing capabilities, we put those together with probably $1,500 worth of equipment in one afternoon. And it's even, you don't have to be a huge business to be able to, to execute on something like that. And again, I think 
the importance of the production value and, and the, the more narrative cinema style stuff that lives more in the hot list. The promotion itself doesn't need to doesn't need to have that. I I think it can and that can help, but it can be a fairly traditional main promotion if the hot list is bringing the, doing the heavy lifting on the hype and the energy and and the excitement. And that doesn't cost that much to produce if you if you want to do it on a shoestring. Okay, cool. Cool. So I know we're going to run out of time here and we want to talk about uh, this contest that I mentioned when we first started talking. You guys have generously sponsored uh, the cocktail party at uh, the Copywriter Club in real life, TCC IRL. I think it started uh, Braddock in, in, on, in our Facebook group where you were encouraging people uh, you know, to come and, and you wanted to buy everybody a drink for helping write your bio. Um, but it's it's evolved into something bigger than that. Yeah, yeah. I do want to make sure that you throw Joel Kletke under the bus here, um, the member of the Copywriter Club in real life. Um, <clears throat> he won the contest to write my bio for you That's guys. Right. That's right. Um, I said I would. I said I would pay three hundred bucks to whoever won. He won. <laughs> he turned down my three hundred bucks, and I said, "All right, it, like we'll just use we'll just use the three hundred bucks, <laughs> you know, towards like a happy hour at TCC." in real life. And then Joel started freaking out about how many people would show up and was worried that, uh, you know, it would go into the multiple thousands of dollars. Um, but it was too late. It was, the cat was already <laughs> out of the bag. So, uh, so, um, Connor and, uh, wealth press were like, all right, we'll step up and they're going to actually, yeah, sponsor the, the full thing, the full happy hour. And, we got the contest. I just, I wanted to make sure that we threw in through Joel, Joel Kletke under the bus there. Of course. Quick. We're happy to, yeah, we're happy to do that. And we're really excited to have you guys uh, join us. So we are going to uh, have this contest and we're going to announce the winners at the event. Uh, but Connor, maybe you could uh, just give us a few of the details of um, how people are going to participate. And then we'll share the link uh, in the show notes and in on our Facebook page of where submissions can be made. Absolutely. So the way this works is pretty straightforward. Uh, we've picked a product and everyone is going to submit, anyone who wants to participate is going to submit a 500 to 1,000 word sales letter selling that product. Um, the product is the McAllen M whiskey, which is a, a pretty legendary whiskey from McAllen's stockpile of, of, uh, of already fairly legendary whiskeys. You can find out a lot about it online if you, if you do some Googling and research which is, again, a big part of being a successful copywriter is, is uh, willingness to get your hands dirty with the research. We're going to be selecting, of the submissions, three winners who will then write a promotion for Wealthpress. Uh, that will be, uh, that'll be a paid gig. Uh, those, uh, those projects will, will earn uh, $7,500 as a cash fee to write them. And then uh, should, should we actually produce a launch based on one of those promos, uh, there will be a 2% royalty net of refunds on all sales from that launch. Now, in addition to picking three people who we're going to develop a, pr a promotion with, at least one, we're guaranteeing at least one, will get the full launch treatment. We'll work it to get it to the point where it's, it's ready to launch. If all three of those promotions end up being good enough that we feel comfortable launching them, then it could be that all three winners get a full launch with us. And... 
I mean, the last the last several launches that we've done have all been over a million dollars in sales. So if that gives you a sense of what the what the prize looks like. Awesome. So just so that I make sure that I understand, um, we're asking people to uh, just do a submission, say 500 to 1,000 words. They can choose um, promoting the McAllen M whiskey. This is not... This part is not paid. It's, you know, if you want to be uh, in the contest, you just write that. Uh, it's just an idea to promote it, something clever. Um, you know, it's just a hook that will catch your attention. It doesn't need to be a full-blown promotion about that. But really, it's just kind of this headline hook idea and, and getting into it. From that, you guys are going to pick three winners, one of whom uh, you're guaranteeing uh, is going to get a full promotion. And of those three winners, it's a paid gig of over $7,000 each. So this is a, a huge opportunity for somebody who you know, maybe wants to write promotions, certainly in the financial space, but also uh, the opportunity to develop a promotion that they can use you know, for other launches and a great opportunity to work with Connor and Rob Braddock in, in developing this kind of a thing. Did I get that right? That's exactly correct. Okay, awesome. We just need to talk about the deadline. So there is a deadline. <laughs> it's Friday, March 6th. Um, that is the submission deadline at midnight Pacific time. Uh, so you need to submit before Friday, March 6th, if you want to qualify for this contest. And it is open to not just people who are coming to TCC IRL. It really is open to anybody who's yes. interested in this. You don't have to be in attendance to win. Uh, on the other hand, it would be awesome to see all of the winners there as, uh, as we announce those names. All right, cool. Um, and then for the winner or winners, could they potentially work with you in the future or do we not want to talk about that yet? Or are we just focusing on the contest? Yeah. If, if, uh, for the winners, if we, if we like how they work and if we like the, their output, when we actually sit down to produce, uh, these promotions, there is absolutely a path from there to working with us, um, long term. All right. And before we recorded, you guys mentioned you also have opportunities for editorial or for content that's maybe less sales oriented. And so if somebody was interested in that, they could um, they could write about, you know, the McAllen M and on the uh, on the submission form that, again, we'll share in the show notes uh, to this podcast and also in the Facebook group. They can just make a note that they're really interested in content opportunities and you guys uh, can work with that as well. Absolutely. There's, there's a lot of um, content or editorial writing opportunity at WealthPress at the moment. We are, a big part of our business is, is multiple free e-letters. We've got eight of them currently, and we're launching four in the next 30 days. And by the end of the year, there'll probably be over 20. So there's, there's a lot of bandwidth for, for content. <laughs> All right, That's and awesome. for anyone listening who maybe catches this and wants to dig in and learn more about WealthPress immediately or catches this later on, um, where can they go get more information about your? Uh, they can they can check us out at uh, at wealthpress.com, and uh, beyond that, um, they can. I mean, if if anyone has any questions after after this all happens, you can forward them over, and I mean. Okay. Thanks, guys. We really appreciate uh, your time, uh, what you've both shared about your careers and maybe ways to get ahead in financial copy as well as other opportunities. Uh, look forward to seeing you in, uh, in March at TCC IRL. Fantastic. Cheers, guys. Thanks, guys. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. <laughs>
You've been listening to the Copywriter Club podcast with Kira Hug and Rob Marsh. Music for the show is a clip from Gravity by Whitest Boy Alive, available in iTunes. If you like what you've heard, you can help us spread the word by subscribing in iTunes and by leaving a review. For show notes, a full transcript, and links to our free Facebook community, visit thecopywriterclub.com. We'll see you next episode.